Good morning, Cornerstone. Um, today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Um, you can follow along in your own Bibles or on the screen behind me. And I'll be reading from the NIV, New International Version. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The word of the Lord. Good morning. It's uh, blessed to be back with everyone together, worshiping the Lord as the Church of Jesus Christ, where last week some of us were in the retreat, which was a blessed time, as we've heard in the prayer, and if you've talked to some of us who were there, and uh, really unique and blessed time. And those of you who didn't participate, we just encourage you, next year, tentatively, we're planning to have another retreat together as a church on Memorial Day weekend in 2024. So put it on your calendars, plan to go, and it's a great time. But it is, uh, you know, you just feel incomplete in a sense where, you know, about half of us weren't there. And uh, I don't know, I'd like to hear the stories of where you guys scattered to, you know, to go worship, or if you worshiped in your own families, or what you did, that would, have been, that would be interesting to me to hear. But it's good to be back. So today we continue in our series, as you see behind me, uh, the Habits of the Heart series, which is a series of messages that are focusing on spiritual habits, or we could say spiritual disciplines, for us who follow the Lord Jesus as uh, the Creator, the Redeemer, the Savior of all mankind that we have these habits to point us regularly to Him in the everyday stuff of our lives. So every day, something, the habits we have, will point us and remind us of who He is and the gospel message that He proclaims that we see in Him. And so we've looked at the habits of prayer, of delighting in the Lord, of resting, of listening, of engaging in God's Word. These are habits that we are to do regularly that will help point us back to Him. Today our focus is on fasting. So how many of us here, I'm just curious, how many of us here have ever fasted for one reason or another? How many? I mean, even 30-hour famine, you know, that's fasting, right? Yeah. Okay, so quite a few of us, and it's pretty common today, fasting is done, uh, even in our broader culture, it's become very um, common in the sense because a lot of people are doing fasting uh, in, for health reasons mostly. So today our focus is on the habit of fasting, and Jesus gave us very specific instructions, as we just heard read in Matthew 6, 16 through 18, concerning fasting. And so he started by saying in verse 16, When you fast, do not look somber, as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. And truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Now, like I said, it's pretty common for many people to fast today. Uh, for example, there's what they call intermittent fasting. Have you heard of that? And there's this one plan called the 16-8 it almost sounds like a verse in the Bible, but it means simply you fast for 16 hours, so you don't eat anything for 16 hours, and then those next eight hours, 
you're allowed to eat. I don't think they expect you to eat for constantly for eight hours, right? But that's the time you can have your meals for the day. So you keep them that, that eight hours. But notice here, I want you to notice in the verse behind me, that Jesus starts here not saying, if you fast, right? He says, when you fast. And we've got to remember, who is Jesus talking to and addressing? It's a predominantly Jewish uh, crowd, that he's talking to. And so the Jewish, in their religious practice, they would regularly fast at periods, different times throughout the year because connected to festivals or things that got, the Lord had set up for them as a community, as a whole nation, to fast, to go without food. And so that's why Jesus says, when you fast, because they were, they were common. Now for us, uh, that may not be common for us to fast you know, regularly as a habit of our yearly cycle or as our weekly or our daily. Um, but Jesus here says, when you fast. And the reasons for fasting for the Jews were spiritual, and they're very different from many people today who fast simply for health reasons or to lose weight or something like that. You know, what is fasting? Well, fasting, for those of us who follow the Lord Jesus, is simply an, uh, and basically an act of worship. It's a way that we worship the Lord God. And so fasting is denying ourselves and going without food for a certain period of time and out of our desire to meditate and commune with the Lord God himself. So a lot different than just, you know, how much weight can I lose by not eating, right? Just carry that out. Just don't eat again. You'll lose a lot of weight. Yeah, that'll be very fast and unhealthy and you may die. So don't do that. But, yeah, fasting for a period of time out of our desire to meditate and commune with the Lord God himself. So it's completely different than just losing weight. And Jesus, here in our first verse of our text, criticized those who would fast to make it obvious that they're fasting. Like, if we were to fast and then we're walking around like today, if I was fasting, I'd be like, oh, I'm fasting, I'm so hungry. You know, just to kind of like lay it out there that I'm fasting. In a sense, to say, I'm so spiritual. I'm so godly because I'm fasting. You know, like, you know, good job. I'm a, I'm a good Christian because I'm doing this spiritual discipline. But it's interesting to th- think about when we look at the life of Jesus. When's the only time, there's only one time we know of that Jesus fasted? Any? Yeah? That's right. Good job, Jason. Yeah, so, and does anybody remember when that was in Jesus' ministry? The very beginning. Yeah, he was baptized by John the Baptist, and then the Spirit led him out into the wilderness where he did not eat, we're told, and this is just Matthew chapter 4, did not eat for 40 days. So that's significant. Yeah, 40 days without food. Woo! I'm sure he was like, oh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> Right? But he was alone, so he could say that and not be bragging about it to anybody because you know, he's just all by himself. Yeah, so we, it's interesting that Jesus only fasts this one time, and then we don't see him, we don't know if he fasted at all the rest of his ministry. We don't hear about it. Matter of fact, there's other places where they, the disciples were asked, well, how come you don't fasting like the other disciples? Right? And so there's that whole the conversation. It seemed like that was not a practice of Jesus' life when he was on earth, other than that first time 
from the beginning of his ministry. The Lord God, through the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 58 of Isaiah, the book in the Old Testament, um, talks about fasting there. It's interesting. And um, he talks about what is a true fast. And this was during the time when Israel, as a nation, had split. They had kind of had, a, a, not a civil war, but they just split into their northern and southern kingdom. And these words that are spoken through the prophet Isaiah to the southern kingdom called Judah on this chapter 58. And the problem was the southern kingdom of Judah, they were false in their worship of the Lord. And what do I mean by this? We see there that they were going through the motions, like coming to church and sitting in the pew and pretending to pay attention, but your heart is elsewhere. Right? So that's kind of going through the motions. But that's exactly what they were doing there. But they were even taking it a step further. They were fasting, and yet their heart was elsewhere. Matter of fact, they were trying to manipulate God in their, quote, worship as fasting, giving up the food in that sense. And listen to how the people of Judah questioned the God here in Isaiah 58 in one of the verses. They said, Why have we fasted? And you see it not. Why have we humbled ourselves? And you take no knowledge of it. Sounds really like a humble statement there, right? The worship of the people of Judah was displeasing to God, we see here in this chapter, if you read the whole chapter, because instead of praying for God's will to be done, they were praying that God would do their will, what they wanted. And they thought fasting would kind of make that, you know, God obligated to do that. They were making demands of God and failing to submit to his will, which had been their practice for many, many years up to this point. They were not following the will of God. They were thinking that if they fasted, then that would obligate God because they were doing this super spiritual act so that God would then have to comply with what they wanted. And likewise, if we look at this and we ask ourselves, are we telling God things that we want rather than asking God what he wants for us in our life? Are we making prayer requests? Or are we making prayer demands like, God, you got to do this because this is what I want. Um, this is like the creature telling the creator, um, you know, if God, you do this, I'll do this. Come on, you do this, I'll do this. And uh, instead of, you know, trying to manipulate, negotiate with God to get what we want the way we want it. You know, I will obey you if you do this first. True worship really, as we just sang about, is a humble heart because we worship a humble king. Though he is the most powerful being in the universe, he is our creator, our redeemer, but he wants us to see ourselves in light of who he is. It's that humility that he's looking for. A missionary and theologian E. Stanley Jones wrote, and I love this quote, Prayer is surrender to God in cooperation with that will. Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but aligning my will to the will of God. And this is a process. That's why we're called to continue in prayer, to commune with the Lord according to his word. But what is it about missing meals, skipping food, that makes prayer so potent? Right? What is it about it? I mean, if you think about it, is it a form of a hunger strike? Like, God, I'm not going to eat anything until you do what I say. 
Like a little kid who holds their breath when they're angry at their parents and they say, okay, I'm not going to get my way. I'm going to hold my breath until you, you do it. But, you know, and they start turning blue and then eventually, of course, they have to breathe. <laughs> but, you know, it's just silly. That's not what fasting is about. It's not trying to get our way by doing some kind of high-octane prayer that God says, oh, they did that. Okay, I got to do it because they did that, you know. No, it's not at all. We do not fast to bring attention to ourselves and what we want. We fast to, for us to better hear from the Lord, to be, in a sense, to align ourselves with His will, to be more tuned to what His will is, where our attention becomes more on Him. That's the goal of fasting, not to manipulate God to do what we want. And this idea of humility, Jesus spoke of again and again, and there's this parable He told in Luke 18, of the Pharisee, who is this religious leader that everybody respected in that day is like, wow, they got it together, you know? Like sometimes you think of pastors, which is not true. We don't have it together. You know, we just have this role that we're called to, but we're sinners just like you. Uh, Actually, we might be better sinners than you in some ways, but, you know, (laughs) don't take that literally because there's no comparison. Sin is sin. But yeah, so the Pharisees are these respected leaders. And then this tax collector, which was despised. He was like, worked for the Romans. He was a Jew, but he worked for the oppressors. So greatly despised. And so there's these two people that Jesus tells about in this parable. Let me read it to you. Luke 18. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God. Thank you. I thank you that I am not like other people, like other people, (laughs) right? Uh, Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Like he needs to tell God that like he doesn't know, right? So, and, but then Jesus goes on, but the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus goes on, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, fasting is a means for us in our hearts and minds to be less focused on ourselves and more focused on the Lord and his will for us, and what we know from his word. Fasting is a way to humble ourselves before the Lord. So if we fast and tell others about it, that, hey, I'm fasting. Yeah, I'm fasting today. So, yeah, I can't go out to lunch with you until this time. Then we can go out and and break fast. Yeah, I'm going to be really hungry then. So hope you're paying. <laughs> I got to think, no, we don't want to bring attention to ourselves and how godly we are because then our hearts are not right in, in what God requires and hopes for us and the kind of prayer and approach to Him. Fasting is pointless when lacking humility and re- of repentant spirit. You know, Jesus said uh, later in Matthew, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And fasting is one way we can deny ourselves of what our physical cravings are. And that is just simply for food, which we are designed to eat, right, and sustain ourselves. So it's one way we can deny ourselves. 
Yeah. It, fasting is pointless when lacking humility and a repentant spirit. And it doesn't necessarily help us if we don't have the right attitude. I mean, it may help us a little bit physically if we're going without food, as we see in our society. They've realized the value of physically fasting intermittently. But can we, at a point, humbly admit that our righteousness is not based on our own actions, but on what Christ did on the cross once and for all, His righteousness? Think about it. How often do we fall to thinking like, oh, I, I, I'm going to be a better Christian if I fast, or if I have devotions every day, or if this. You can't be a better Christian because Christ's value is imported to us through our faith in Him. So we are good because Christ is good. We are righteous because He is righteous. You take Him away, we're scumbags. We're despicable. Like that show, Despicable, right? <laughs> But more than that, you know, he's kind of cute, despicable me. I'm talking about that movie, if you've ever seen it. Yeah, so it's, it's really in Christ alone. And the Apostle Paul describes this uh, like inner struggle of us in Romans 7 where he's talking about the struggle between the spirit, our own spirit, and the flesh, our own flesh. And as human beings, we're mind, body, and spirit. But our spirit is dead without God, without the redemption of Christ Jesus when we invite him to be Lord in our life. And so, but there's this constant struggle in us of our fleshly cravings, our sinful cravings, and what God desires of us in the leading of the Spirit. Because our flesh is all about our relationship with ourselves and our sinful cravings, and these are selfish and destructive to us, ultimately. If we follow them, we will die, the Scriptures say over and over again. But as we fast we deliberately weaken this craving, our, our fleshly craving for food. I mean, how many of us would label ourselves as foodies here? A few of us, right? How many of us would enjoy, say that we enjoy you know, eating once in a while? <laughs> yeah, pretty much all of us, right? Yeah, I mean, we all crave food at some point. Just give it some time, right? We're all going to crave, and usually many of us would prefer better food than not so good food, right? Yeah, we, we, that's just natural. That's the way we are. But to deny ourselves, then what it does is it, it makes us less of a bond to this fleshly desire and more in communion with the Lord. It helps us focus. It can. It's not a guarantee, but we deliberately weaken that powerful bond with our flesh. You know, in a sense, it's less of us and more of him. Lord Christ. When May and I have fasted um, together, it's usually for a very particular purpose, for, on a particular issue. We're seeking the Lord for clarity, for direction. And I'll say that every time, the effectiveness of fasting is that every time you feel that hunger pain, you're reminded again of why you're fasting, why you're going without food, and that is to seek the Lord and direction and his guidance and of what his will may be in particularly something. And I'll say that we've always received clarity and direction when we have, as a couple, fasted for things. And we've joined others in fasting together as a small group about specific issues. And it's worked. Sometimes it's immediate, like during the fast it happens. Other times it takes a while. And, it, and, it, and that's God he, in his perfect timing. 
In the book of Daniel, for example, in the Old Testament, we learn that Daniel and his friends fasted for meat and uh, fine foods and wine that was provided to them. Just, they just ate vegetables, so they fasted from the king's food in that sense. But they did this because they wanted to remain faithful to what the commands God had given them as the Jewish people. In the book of Esther, we learn that Esther, Queen Esther, led the Jewish community on a three-day fast. The whole Jewish community in that, that area to fast and seek the Lord, and which led to a miraculous turnaround from disaster. The Jewish people were rescued from the brink of annihilation, which was the plan by uh, this evil person. And, and then they gained freedom and, and favor with the people. And, and many Gentiles or non-Jewish people joined them because they saw God's goodness and his power through this. With, it's interesting, with water and juices, actually, you can fast. We could fast for 40 days. I wouldn't suggest this if you're going to start this habit, to start with just, I'm not going to eat for 40 days, see how that works, you know. No, I would suggest just starting to skip a meal. And then when you're hungry, now I know some of you in practices of people today, you don't usually eat breakfast, so you're already skipping a meal. So I would suggest you skip lunch then. And then you'll be pretty hungry by dinner, you know, or supper, whatever you call it. So, yeah, but the key is understand why you're fasting and remind, remembering that every time you feel that hunger pain, like, oh, man, I wish I could eat a Snickers bar or popcorn or whatever junk food we have around us until we get to the real stuff, right? Yeah, it's better to start by just maybe picking a meal and then maybe one day a week or whatever issues you're facing, one day a month, whatever it is, you do that. Because fasting is like turning the volume down on our flesh, and turning the volume up on the Spirit. In a sense, our spirit with the Spirit of God, because He dwells within us. It's kind of like another way of putting it is, if you think of a room in your house, it's like moving all the furniture to the edges of the room, so that it gives the Spirit room to work in our hearts and our minds. It's kind of like, have you ever like, not eaten a lot of food during the main course because you know the dessert is coming? And you want to leave room for the dessert, right? That's what fasting's like. And you know, the Lord God said, taste and see that I am good. Well, that's in Psalm. It actually says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's literally what we're doing is we're, we're de- denying ourselves so that we can taste of the Lord more and listen to him. And that's what fasting's all about. And when we agree to wholeheartedly follow Jesus and give him permission to change us from within and use us, then we will find guarantee that he will start putting us to death. Meaning, he will take our sinfulness and he will kill it. He will put it to death. And this is a process that's necessary if we want to see the Lord's power and work in our lives. Fasting is a way of intentionally taking part in this process. By our own free choice, decision, and then submitting to the Spirit's leading and guidance that comes to us through it. And this is why Jesus stressed that we are to fast in secret in verses 17 and 18. He says, but when you fast, put oil in your head and wash your face. It just means like be normal, you know, clean like you usually are. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, it's interesting in this chapter, in the Sermon on the Mount, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. If you've heard of that, it's just a long sermon of Jesus in Matthew. 
Um, two other times earlier in Matthew 6, Jesus also refers to doing stuff in secret that God sees and will, will reward us for it. And this is in relation to spiritual habits. One is giving, one is praying. To do this in secret, and God will reward us. See, God sees all things. He sees what you're doing right now. He sees what you did last night when you were alone. Or He knows everything. He knows what we're thinking, which is amazing. And he still loves us. That's the amazing truth of the gospel. <laughs> he sees everything. He knows what we do in secret. And when we humble ourselves in an act of worship by giving generously or praying by ourselves to commune with him, by fasting, whatever it is, he sees our hearts. And as Micah 6.8 says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So the habit of fasting is to be a means of humbling ourselves before God to listen and commune with him. Now we may have heard people maybe during the season of Lent or something where it's common to give up things, you know, in a sense, fast from certain things like Facebook or maybe social media altogether or sugar or chocolate or for me, one Lenten season, I, I fasted from popcorn. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. And, and you know, is there any value in the, this form of fasting? I mean, because if when we fast from food, food is an essential, right? We need food eventually. <laughs> we got to have food, right? So we really makes us uncomfortable the longer we fast from food, and that's a good reminder to us. Um, and, and it brings us really to that necessary point of dependence and submission to the Lord. But what about these other things? Because we face it, we do. We can grow dependent on like sugar or fast food or social media even and other things to the degree that abstaining from them makes us feel uncomfortable. So yes, there is value in seeing what has maybe captured our hearts so much and fasting from it so that we can be free from the grips of whatever it is so we can have less of us and more of him. So it's, it's because, face it, we develop addictions in our lives that we don't even realize until we try to give it up. And then we're like, well, I just, so hard, I can't give that up. You know, I can't, it's like, uh, I can't do it. And you know, then that has gripped you. And in a sense, we go to these things for comfort rather than going to the Lord. Then it has become really an idol in our life. For example, there's this story of, uh, on February 9th, 1958. Now remember this, this date, 1958, Okay. Um, some of you, if you don't know American history, that's soon after when TVs, televisions became more and more popular in the homes, right, in the 40s and 50s. So TV was a big thing uh, then. And this pastor, David Wilkerson, all right, this is when he was old, David Wilkerson, he's this country pastor. He made this transformational decision to sell his television. And the reason was is because uh, as pastors, you know, stressful sometimes being a pastor. And so he'd often go home and he'd watch like a couple hours of TV to unwind after every day. And it was fine. You know, he wasn't like, he's just watching, I don't know what shows were on then. I wasn't even alive. But there was, there was some, you know, TV he'd like to do that. But then he realized at some point that, you know, God was speaking to him that, you know, you could use this time to be with me and commune with me. 
So he, he decided he'd try selling his television, but he, he wasn't too convinced yet it was of the Lord. So he said, Lord, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll sell my television. I'll give 30 minutes. I'll put it up for sale, and if nobody buys it, then I must not have heard from you. So, so he did, and it was sold in 30 minutes. So, okay. So he said, okay. So that was his beginning of this transformational decision. And slowly, Wilkerson writes that he learned how to spend time in this length of prayer during this this time at the end of the day, rather than watching television. And it didn't come easily, he said at first. First, when he started, he'd get stuck. And he'd just like, it's so hard. I, you know, I, I, I can't concentrate and stuff like that. But after a while, he gradually became more and more accustomed to these nightly times with the Lord. And it was during this time with the Lord, this season of his life, that he heard specifically from God that he should go to inner city New York and share the gospel and minister to the inner city gangs. And in the 60s and 70s, New York was not the same place as it, was now, it is now. It's bad. It's pretty bad. And so, and, and he brought hundreds of gang members and addicts and prostitutes to the Lord through his ministry of going there and just sharing love and the message of Christ. And he started this group called, uh, this ministry called Teen Challenge. It went on all over the world, and thousands more came to Christ through that as well. And you can read his whole story in a book called, does anybody know? The Cross and the Switchblade. And, and this book has sold 15 million copies. It's translated into 30 languages now. And I, this, this is so significant because I was moved by this story because it was made into a movie. Eric Estrada, I don't know if you know who he is. He used to be in Chips, if you knew that. Uh, you got to be pretty old like me to, to know that. That's an old TV series. But um, he was in this as the main gangster. And uh, Pat Boone played David Wilkerson. <laughs> but it was a, uh, I saw this as a young, um, I think a teenager, and I remember I watched this movie, and it so moved me. I went down the aisle, and I gave myself to Christ, I think, for the 10th time at that point in my life <laughs> because I just moved, and that's, that's how they said you respond. So I did, right? So I went down the aisle again, prayed the prayer. But, um, you know, David Wilkerson later planted Times Square Church. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Times Square Church. It's still there, Titan Times Square. That's where it is, right? Uh, good name for it. And all this... Because a country pastor decided to fast from his TV. And, and then he heard how God wanted to align himself with his will. You know, there was, I, when I was preparing for the message and I was thinking of this story here, this illustration, I remembered uh, there was a time in my life that was somewhat similar to this. And it was dealing with television. So I was, this is back in the uh, early 90s. So May and I had met in 90. And we were both in seminary, Denver Seminary. And then by 92, she left to go back to Taiwan. So I thought, yeah, that's done, right? It's over. We had good friendship. We were a little romantic before she left. But it was done. So, because I didn't want to go to Taiwan. And yeah, so that's it. So then I remember, personally, I was living alone in this apartment. And uh, I would do the same thing. I, was, I would come home from either classes at seminary, I was still in seminary, or I had a part-time job uh, working as a pastor in a church. So either, whenever I was at home, I'd turn on the TV if I wasn't needing to study and stuff, and I'd just unwind. But I realized that I was spending way too much time watching TV. I could use my time better. And so I took the TV, I didn't sell it, <laughs> 
and I didn't do that. But I put it in the closet, and I remember I, sh I would pile all this stuff on top of the TV and shut the door because I knew that if I made it hard for me to get it out, I might diminish my desire to just turn it on and veg out. The guys love to do this. We call it our nothing box. Just It's so rewarding. Yeah. So, <laughs> But anyway, so I did that. And gradually, I started to pray about what is the future for me? Because, you know, I was coming to the end, or I was sort of in the middle to the end of my seminary career, that way, my studies. And it was during that season, through a couple other things that God brought into my life, but it was because I had put away this thing that took so much of my time. And I started communing more with the Lord that he made specifically clear to me that I was to pursue May to be my wife. I mean, it was like a shade just poof, and all the light came in the window and it was like, you need to pursue this woman to be your wife. And so, but she was in Taiwan. So, you know, I had to have a little oomph to go pursue her. If she was in Taiwan, I had to go get her. So I did. Yeah, and, and, but that was a season of life that God, I heard clearly from the Lord because I had fasted from TV at that time. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see this struggle with the flesh, right? Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying, sweating like blood. And what does he do? He goes back to his disciples, and what are they doing? <laughs> you know, and he's like, wake up, come on, pray with me, you know? And then they're like, oh, okay, we can do it. And then Jesus goes over here, and he's praying his heart out. And what are they doing? <laughs> you know, and he even says... The, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. You know? It, it's this struggle that we all have. It's hard to give up the cravings and our physical needs in order to align ourselves and seek the Lord's will. And that's exactly what fasting is very helpful to do if we have the right humble spirit. So if you're feeling spiritually out of it, I would say fast humbly and seek the Lord. If, if you want to see, uh, seek better communion with God, taste and see that the Lord is good and give up food for a little while and really try to taste and see that the Lord is good. If, if you have, you're troubled about something, um, like some problem and you need a breakthrough, fast and seek the Lord and his guidance. And it may take some perseverance. I mean, you know, one time, boom, I got the answer. No, it doesn't necessarily work like that. It may work like that. It's how the Lord wants to work in each of our hearts to really listen to him. And so we need to persevere. It needs to become a habit in that sense of our heart in order for us to really see and hear from the Lord because God is gracious and he will help us grow in our journey of trying to grow and be more like him in our own unique way because he's so patient with you. He's so loving beyond anything we can experience from our parents or anybody in, on earth. He is totally patient with you. And he wants you to grow and become like him because when our whole heart says, less of me, Lord, and more of you, then he's like, okay, that's the right path you're on. <laughs> because the more of me you get, this is God talking, the more of me you get, that's going to be good for you. And uh, you'll taste and see that I am good. Let's pray together. Lord, as we are about to do 
in a sense of coming to your table that you have ordained to be reminded of your gospel truth, of who you are and your redemptive act on the cross, that you are our Redeemer, you are our Savior, and that your amazing love would just overwhelm us right now. Wash over us, cleanse our hearts, and pull us and draw us into your will as we partake of these elements we're about to. And we remember the body and blood that you gave in our behalf and for the whole world, even those who reject you. And we'll end up, uh, God forbid, in hell because of their rejection of you. But you still died for them. Lord, that is love. And we pray that that love would overwhelm us today as we worship you still in our singing and our partaking of the elements. In Jesus' name, amen.